Welcome to the Cedar Lake Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired and fulfilled by this week's message from Pastor Neil Hopper. If you would like to know more about us, visit our website at clcc.church. Praise God. Well, um, I want to look at a couple things. Uh, Some of it I've already said to you this morning, and I want to look at a couple of verses and and talk to you about a few things that I I hope will be a blessing to you. Um, Some of the things that I said earlier, don't wait for revival. It's now. Um, I don't know what that looks like in your life, but I'm praying that the fire of revival lands and, and sets this place ablaze. Amen. So what I saw in the Spirit earlier this week was, as I saw literally like, you know how sometimes if you've ever been to a good campfire, when the fire gets big enough that some of the little embers go up, y'all probably ain't never had a campfire that started a fire somewhere else. But I might have done that. Uh, it might have happened to me at some point. Um, so I'm just saying that there are revi- there, there's there's embers that I think that are going to be released, and there there are places. What I saw was like little embers coming off of these fires of revival that just absolutely landed in different spots, and there would be an a, a, an igniting in those places as well. And that's what I'm believing. Um, Wanda shared some things with me this week from uh, a minister who had talked about a revival that happened in Scotland. And that whole revival, by the way, that turned Scotland upside down started with two little women who would start praying at night and interceding for for Scotland, and they would pray all night. They would start at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, and they would pray till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning and just interceding, just interceding, believing God to... Uh, to do something in Scotland. And that revival, that sparked a revival fire that just, it, it lasted, I think, four years. And I'm going to say, uh, one may remember, uh, they said, it, it, what, 90, 90 to 95% of the population got born again. Nine, think about that. You said that can't happen in America. Don't say that. Quit saying that. Don't say that. What people need is Jesus. They don't need the religious Jesus. They don't need they need an encounter with the living God. They need an encounter with God. Uh, one of the things that you need to know, anytime you see, I'm already teaching, so hear this. Anytime you see the word knowledge in the Bible, Corey, it doesn't, it, it can mean if you see the word, if they say all knowledge or knowledge, there's a Greek word, it's called epic. Gnosis. Gnosis is knowledge. So you can have epic gnosis. The Bible calls that you would have all knowledge. But when we talk about knowledge in the Bible of God giving you knowledge, most of the time for believers, that knowledge is experiential. He's not just, he's not just giving us knowledge. Otherwise, all we have is a head knowledge and we've never experienced it. So we hear about all of these great things that God wants to do, and we hear about what he did in somebody else's life, but if we don't have some sort of 
knowledge, experiential knowledge, well, I've just never experienced it. Doesn't mean that it's not real. You just haven't experienced it. So it's not that the Holy Ghost isn't real. It's just that you've never experienced it in that way. Well, I'm not one to jump and shout. Well, it's been my experience that you don't have to do that for it to be real, right? So Dr. Mark Rutland said something one time. I love me some Dr. Mark Rutland, and he said something. He was sitting on a platform, and Dr. Mark Rutland, I want to say he's got 160 or 165 IQ. The man's brilliant. Uh, I think he's got a couple earned doctorates. He's been the president of Oral Roberts University and Southeastern College, and he was a, a real mentor to me, and I absolutely loved him. He said he was sitting on a stage, and he was sitting on the stage, and they were worshiping and praising God, and some dude, I think from the audience, jumped up and just began to run around, just woo! And Dr. Rutland... He, he, he just said, I just quietly said to the Lord, do I have to do that? And he said, no. So the Holy Spirit came back and said, no, but you have to love me like that. <laughs> do I have to do what somebody else does? No. My experience, my experience says that you don't have to do like somebody else, but you, you do have to be free, right? There is a place of freedom where if you want to do that, you can do that. But most of the time, you know, we, we can get outside of our own personality. Has God ever taken you to a place where you got outside of your own personality where you were like, I don't know why I'm saying this, but this line's got a roar right now. I, this ain't even my normal personality. But there are times that the Holy Spirit will, will or you'll sense God in a way that says, I, I've got to say this. Like, I can't hold back. I've got to say it. So I want to look at a couple of things today that uh, we, we won't have a ton of time. Um, that preacher that preached on Wednesday night, by the way, I was preaching Wednesday night. It was good if I do say so myself. I preached on, let me tell you, if you missed it, I don't know if we even, I preached on, you have to know what's in you. Paul said, as much as in me is, if you don't know what's in you and what he's deposited in you, you're not going to know that you can respond in his ability because you don't know what's in you. Let me say it another way. There are some things that are in you that you don't even know is in you. And when you need it, It'll be there, but we could talk about all the things that he put in us. But that, it was a good word Wednesday night. I was refreshed by it. Amen? So I want to talk to you today. I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 40. 1 Samuel 17, in verse 40. If you have it, say amen. Amen. 1 Samuel 17, 40. It's a classic story. We, we all know this story, but I want to I take my text here and begin here because I think it's important. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, and he put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near to David. And the man that bare the shield went before him, 
And when the Philistines looked out and saw David, he disdained him, and was, uh, for he was but a youth, ruddy, and of a fair countenance. And the Philistines said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I'll give thy flesh under the fowls of the air and the beast of the field. In verse 45, Then said David to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou defiledest, thy defiled. This day the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I'll give it, I'll give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, unto the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Amen. I want to talk to you today about a subject that I've talked about. I've preached some of it before, but it came up in my spirit a few weeks ago. And I just say to you, if you go back to verse 40, what you'll see is that he found his ammunition. According to this, he said, and he took his staff in his hand and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. Now, most of you know that I like to talk about getting in your flow. You find what you need to take care of giants in a flow. And when you get out of the flow, you begin to try to, to do it in your own strength. You get out of the flow and you will, you'll struggle uh, let me t t tell you a story. Uh, a, a minister had this, I don't know if it was a vision or a dream that God gave him. And in the dream, he saw a dry riverbed and there were people in the dry riverbed and they had boats that was sitting on the dirt and they were acting like they were flowing down the river, but they weren't going anywhere. And the dust where they were rowing, it was, they were rowboats, and the, 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 the oars were scraping the bottom of this dry riverbed, and they were causing a cloud of dust. And the people in the boats, Vaughn, kept thinking, it's the glory of God. It's the glory of God. And it wasn't. It was just dust. It didn't have any impact. And then immediately God showed him another, another group of people and they were in boats and they were flowing down the river and all around them, there were these bottles that were floating and they would take up a bottle and it'd be a gift of the Spirit and something would happen and they would float a little further. They weren't having to row, Wanda. They weren't having to, they were just floating along in the flow. So you have two different camps right now of people who are, some of them are dry as they can be, and they swear that dust all around their head is the glory of God. I don't need revival. You revive something that's dead. Well, um, maybe you have a point 
and maybe you're just hard-headed and realize that your heart has grown so hard and that you, you, you've, you've incorrectly discerned, right? You've incorrectly discerned what God is doing and you swear that that dust bowl around your head is glory. And all I'm saying to you is that there is something that God wants to do where we just flow with what He is doing. We find what we need in a flow. And I came this morning to say, what's your flow? What is your flow? If your flow is is worry or your flow is, you know, struggle, uh, one of the things I came this morning to say to you is, is that I'm on a mission to get you in a flow and get you out of struggle, okay? I'm, I'm on a mission to get you out of struggle and to get you in a flow, to say to you, would you step into what God is doing? See, grace is a flow. Grace is a brook. Grace is a river of living water. Grace, God gives us these things so that we can uh, God gives us these things so that we can stay in the flow of what he's doing <clears throat> and we don't have to fight and we don't have to constantly, you know, but but it is a learned skill set that you have to you have to say I'm 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 going to reject what the world and what I've learned maybe in in Christian circles even because I realized a few years ago I was on my way to work one morning and I re- I was praying about some things and I realized that I had I think I had picked up a spirit of struggle and here's why you do that first of all if you're not careful you'll be the one glorifying struggle Man, they just seem to struggle through. I'm just so proud of them. They, they struggled on through and look at them. I do not see that in the Word. I'm proud that you made it. But what I want to see is I want to see a difference where you learn to get in a flow of grace and truth, walking by faith and trusting Him, and you reject the struggle. Can anybody in here give me their verse what we do as believers, we ought to have at least a verse or two to back it up. Can anybody quote their verse? Well, I just, I think struggle's just a part of life. Vaughn, we got a verse for that? Can you remember one? Shane, you've been in the Word a long time. You got one? Christian, anybody? Wanda, you got a verse for struggle? What does he say? <laughs> I know the, I think I know the verse. But there's, there's not one that gives us a right that says to us, the prophet didn't say, yea, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt struggle all the days of thy life. That's, that's never been. In fact, let me give you a whole nother verse. In Jeremiah 23, you know what people used to do to the prophets like Jeremiah? You don't have to go there, Shannon, because I, I don't even know what verse it is, but I know it's in 22nd, 23rd chapter of Jeremiah. The people would come to the prophet, Vaughn, and they would say, what is the burden of the Lord? What is the burden of the Lord? And you know what the Amplified Version says the bur- that, that the prophet finally told the people because they would come, they knew what maybe there was burden or whatever we're struggling with, but they would come and they'd say, what's the burden of the Lord? What's the burden of the Lord? You know what the prophet finally told them? You are. You are. I think it's the Amplified Version that says, he said, what's the burden of the Lord? And, and the prophet said, you are. 
you're the problem. Why? Because you're, you're burden struggle minded. It's just always a struggle. Now, I'm not crazy enough to say that we aren't going to have things that we're going to have to deal with. Um, there, was, there was one bishop in Africa, I forget what that guy's name is, but they asked him one time, they said, uh, they said uh, something about him struggling. And you know what he told him, Armand? He said, well, I guess I've had struggles. I just can't remember what they were. I guess I had some struggles along the way. I just can't remember what they were. So um, let's look at a couple of other uh, scriptures, and uh, let's go to the 11th chapter of Matthew. Everybody in here will know this verse. Go to the very bottom of the chapter, verses 28 and 29, maybe 30, 28, 29, and 30. He said this, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you more to do. I'll give you a bigger struggle. I'll put more on you. No, that's religion. Religion will do that to you. Religion, for, for, for all of you who want to know if you have a religious spirit, help me, Jesus, because I've been there. You know what a re religion will put on you? more weights and more stuff and more things I have to do to make it work. Religion, that's religion. So me continuing to struggle all the time, it's struggle. It's one struggle right after another. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just keeping my head above water, making a way where we can. It's a temporary layoff. Good times, easy credit to rip off. Good time that that ain't good times like God wants to give you. God wants to give you, God wants to give you a different life. But here's where you're gonna have to. He never said, "Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden." And what did he say he was gonna give you? Rest. Well, don't I, listen. Here's what a religion will interpret that and say. Yeah, it's a place he gives me along the way. Like I got to struggle for six or eight months. And then once the struggle, once that struggle's over, I get like 15 minutes of rest or maybe a few days or weeks. And then I have another struggle. Um, that's not Bible. W what if I said, I believe when he said, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. That literally I have thought led better most of my life. Well, that's just the place I visit when it gets really, really hard. My friend, that's not a place you visit when, it get, when life gets hard. That's a place you live. You live in the rest, R-E-S-T, of God, not the remainder of Him, or maybe that is the portion you haven't known about Him, but we're living in the rest of God. Believing is our portion. We practice, I told you last week, practice, we practice believing. It's a different way to think, which is why he said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Now, I have two things I want to tackle here in this verse, and I want to go about them very systematically. First of all, 
there are some of you, you do pretty good spiritually, but you don't ever let your soul rest. There is a soul rest where you, you sleep at night and you sleep all the way down to your core. You, you wake up refreshed in the morning. You, you go throughout your day and he said, you'll find rest for your soul. I uh, listened to a podcast recently from a minister that I love and he had his daughter on and his daughter, and I love this family. To me, they're like, they're awesome. But the daughter, she dealt with anxiety. And so she had been through Sozo. She had been through inner healing. She had been through deliverance. She said, I had hands on, laid on me from the most anointed people that you could imagine because my dad knows everybody that has any kind of a, a, a ministry of, that's visible. So she said, we went to everybody. We're laying hands. This, you're going to like this. She said, I was fine in my spirit. My faith was up. I was reading the Word. She said, after talking with some people, I realized it was my soul that needed rest. And she said, so I started taking time for myself. She said, I had, uh, we, we pastored a church and my husband was a pastor. We always had stuff to do. We were doing discipleship classes because their church is all about discipleship. There was something to do all the time. And she said, so I started saying, I'm going to take the day and go ride horses because my soul, she said, I began to discern and realize that my soul wasn't getting the rest that I needed. He said, I'm going to give rest unto your souls. Now I'm going to show you how that happens. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, you, you know what a yoke is made for? It causes two things to work together. There's a, a story about a farmer who had a big, strong horse, and he was going to plow with him. And this farmer, he, he hooks, hooks the, the big horse up to the plow, and he won't go anywhere. And... So he goes and gets the yoke out of the barn and he brings a little scrawny horse with him and he hooks a scrawny horse up to the same yoke and all of a sudden, the big horse starts to plow. And the farmer from down the street came by and said, what are you doing? That little horse ain't doing anything. And he said, yeah, but that big horse thinks he's getting some help and he'll pull anything if he thinks he got some help right? Well, if you ever learn that Jesus is the big horse and you're yoked up with him, he does all the pulling. But you got to understand how that works. He said, take my yoke upon you. It's his yoke. It ain't your yoke. He said, all you got to do is get into, what is he saying? It's a different way of saying it. You get into what I'm doing by faith, you, you get into this yoke and let me do the pulling. You get into what I want to do. And he said, how are you going to do it? You're going to have to learn of me. Learning of him is all about learning how God does a thing. Learning when you come to church, you don't come to church just to sit here and check the box. You come to church to learn. 
You come to church to learn. It's why my friend Felix Joshua says the lowest form of Christianity is a non-note-taking Christian. Boom. A non-note-taking Christian. Uh, yeah. It, it, you know why? I, years ago, I sat right over there and, and took notes a lot. You know how many times I went through those notebooks? Not a lot, but you know what it helped me do? I paid attention. Because I'm taking notes, I, I, take, I, I pay attention. I don't get distracted when I'm, when I'm I, I, and I did it on purpose. I did it so I would pay attention because I'm prone to wonder. My mind would be somewhere else. So what I'm saying to you is, is that there has to be in this thing called faith, you have to learn to yoke up. You have to learn to let him do the pulling. You have to learn. And that's something you have to learn all the time. And he's, He's always revealing things to us. I'm not joking when I say to you I spent most of my life believing that take my, uh, uh, I'll give rest to your soul was a place I visited about every six weeks to six months. But I'm, I'm declaring to you this morning, if you can ever learn of him and let him do the pulling, here's what, here's what you will know. If you can ever get into that flow, life gets easier. Life gets simpler. And for those of you who have friends and people who love the struggle, because some Christians love the struggle, limit their access to you. They're still your friend. Limit everybody I know that walks in. Uh, in victory and and has faith every day and has the joy of the Lord, you know what they're doing? They surround themselves with people that are like-minded. They surround themselves with people who are people of faith, people who won't, because look, we I can be the guy, man, I know that was a big struggle for you, pastor. And so, yeah, man, God, God brought us through. I just... I just had to keep going, and I, I was really like, I was going to just, man, I was just content. I'm going to keep chopping wood. I'm going to keep chopping wood. Uh, so then it begins to be all about me, and and all I'm doing is oppressing you and going, man, that man's got, he's got a lot of no quit in him. Am I, am I trying to impress you, or am I trying to impress God? Not saying there ain't going to be times where you have to, you have to push, don't quit aside, don't throw in the towel aside. We all have to make decisions like that. But when you learn how to get in the flow, you just keep, stay in the flow of God. Let him teach you as you're floating toward the destination. Now I'm not having to row on the bottom of a dry riverbed. I'm, I'm, I'm getting in a flow that's going to take me where I need to be. I'm getting in a flow. And if you ask yourself this morning, what, well, what is my flow? If your flow is worry, get out of that. If, you're, if your flow is fret, get out of that. Don't, don't allow yourself to go there. So he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You should find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. You remember the, 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 the big red button when you punched it? Said, oh, that was easy. My yoke is easy. Some of you don't know the easy flow. You've never been experienced. You, you assume that worry is a part of the equation. 
You assume that that's what you have to do even though you have no Bible verse to back it up. You have no word. If you're doing something consistently as a believer and you don't have a verse to back that up, you're in trouble. Say it another way, something I've been saying a lot. If, you've, if you haven't listened to one thing I've said, listen to what I'm saying to you right now because this is, this is the wisdom of God. You do things sometimes, and until God opens your eyes, you don't know it's wrong. You don't know you're worrying until the Holy Spirit illuminates something, until He begins to open your eyes. That's the reason you learn of Him. What does learning of Him mean? It's allowing the Holy Spirit to highlight something and show you something so that you, you realize, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't realize that I thought rest was the place I visited every few weeks. I didn't realize for a long time <clears throat> that he was just saying, find rest for your soul. Say it another way. The psalmist said it like this. What if you need restoration in your soul? He restoreth my soul. Where does that happen? Usually when I sit down beside the waters. Usually when I go to the pasture that he has for me. You got to know where you belong. Said it last week, know where you belong. Know where you belong. Your flow is right there where you belong. If I were to take you, I don't have time, but if I was to take you to Psalm 23, he leadeth beside the still waters. That's the flow. He, he leads me to a green pasture. He leads me to a place where he can constantly restore me. Why? Because we're living in a world that will suck you dry. We're living in a season, if, you, if, you're, if you're out there and you're not being recharged and tapping into that thing by faith every day, the world will absolutely suck you dry. But when you know what's in you, and you know, and he opens your eyes to see, I, I was believing something that wasn't true. I was believing something that ain't even in the Bible. And you realize that there's some things that you need to pay attention to and let him teach you a different way. The, the struggle life is, is something you learn. Sometimes you learn that at home. So I'm on my way that morning to the station and I'm tired of the struggle and me and God are having a, we're having a conversation about it. And my eyes got opened and I realized I'm functioning under a spirit of struggle. And I just began to rebuke that thing. I just began to say, I will not struggle. First of all, I'm not going to confess as I, maybe y'all have done the struggle's real, brother. The struggle is real. I've, I've showed up at work before. Shannon said, hey, good morning. How are you? I struggle's real today. That's a mindset. That's a mindset. Now, sometimes you're, you get physically tired. You got to take some rest. There are some things you can do. But if you're one of them that, that are, if you confess that out of your mouth, stop it. Stop it. The struggle's real. Look, we all have difficulty, but God is my source and my supply. And my faith says, I'm going to have a faith response to this. I'm not going to do this in my own strength. Turn, turn with me. Everything you need, 
everything you need to kill every giant is found in a flow. Everything you need. Every, when I say everything you need is found in a flow, there's water for you, but there's ammunition against him. You get that? So I, I can't go out into battle dehydrated. Everything you need is in that flow. You say, well, how do I get in the flow? Make your mind up that I'm going to have a faith response and I'm going to get into what he's doing. Get out of your emotions, first of all. Get out of your emotions. I've rarely seen anyone walk in victory for the long haul that was overly emotional. God gave us our emotions. They're wonderful friends. They're terrible masters. God gave you your emotions. I'm all, I'm all, if you're emotional all the time, I strongly suggest that you go for some inner healing and deliverance because that's emotional people all the time. Because the enemy traps you in your emotions. You can't walk by faith because it's an emotional response to everything. Everything's emotional. I'm just overly emotional. When you find people that are overly emotional or they have triggers, we either have to go back and walk through those things and deal with those by faith and deal with those by, by forgiveness and deal with some things and let my emotions come to a place where I get free in my emotions so that I can walk in the easy flow. There's an easy flow available to you. But if you've been trained in, in, even in a home where you're, you came up worrying, and my grandmother was a professional worrier. She's a professional. And we lived with her till I was about, I was going in third grade. We moved to Georgia. And my grandmother was just a professional. Anybody got, anybody got folks in their lineage that were professional worriers? Oh, you ought to renounce that thing right now. I Say this with me. Say, I renounce a spirit of worry. Get out in Jesus' name. Get out in Jesus' name. I renounce a spirit of worry. Get out in Jesus' name. I renounce a spirit of struggle. I renounce a spirit of struggle. In the name of Jesus, struggle, you have to leave me. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, here's the thing. Just because we said that prayer and you said that, you've renounced it. But here's the thing. It, 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 I guarantee you that spirit of struggle and that spirit of worry, if you're not careful, it'll get back on you in a minute. Right? It, it will. It's not that you don't have power over it. We do have to walk in our authority. So what happens is, is when that thing comes, recognize, Holy Spirit, activate, recognize in one moment, I'm not going there. When, when I got, at, we, we met with the elders. These guys are so good to me. They, they really are, and, and they're so easy to work with. And they meet with me. So I go home and tell my wife, she said, what's the elders meeting about? I said, well, we've taken $15,000 out of the savings. She said, well, we ain't going to worry about that. We're just going to believe God. Sometimes you need somebody on your side that just says, well, we ain't going to worry about that. We ain't going to worry about that. You know, what you, you know what will make people who have a spirit of worry, you know what they'll do? Because <laughs> I know. I used to get mad at people. If I was worried about something and you weren't, I'd be mad at you. 
I said, that fool don't even know. They about to lose their dang job up in here. We ain't even, what are they? Our church is going to close. There would have been a time I would have said, Lord have mercy. I don't know why them fools ain't worried. I guess they don't understand how bad it is. No, I just understand how big our God is. I just understand that giants really do die. I just understand that God is bigger than that. You say, well, what, what if this happened? What if that's worry? Do you know how to, to uh, figure out if, if you worry? I can tell you. You think about it all the time. Even when you're not thinking about it, it's right back here. It's in the back of your mind day and night. How do I know if I'm worrying? You're thinking about it. Because when I get in faith about a thing, I don't think about it. I just honestly don't think about it. I just pray about it. God's going to do something. Say it another way. Lead with a plan. Trust God for a miracle. Say it another way. Lead with a plan. So I'm going to come up with my best, like, art. what do we need to do? Is there anything? Well, first of all, I need to make you aware of some things. If, if it's for my home, I say, well, we may want to do this or do this. So lead with a plan. Trust God for a miracle. And most of the time, it happens somewhere in the middle. Lead with a plan. God's Give us wisdom. God, especially where it's finances and stuff like that. Lead with a plan. Can't go out to eat. Uh, 16 times a month. Lead with a plan. I'm going to save some money. I'm going to begin to cut back and I'm going to believe God to bring what I need. So how do we know if we're worried about a thing? I pray about it and I pick it back up and I carry it around and I, it's in the back of my mind all day. And you do like me when I walked around. Uh, this is before I actually took over the station. I've told this many times, but, it, it, but it's so true. We, we were $120,000 or $140,000 behind in bills. Yeah, that's looking bad. When your entire budget's like $750,000 and you're $140,000, just do the percentages, you can figure out things ain't good. And so you know what I got in? This is how the enemy works. This is why you need to watch what you say. Watch what you say when the struggle comes. When the Watch what you say. And so I walked around for about two weeks going, literally whispering, under, muttering under my breath, what are we going to do? I just don't know what we're going to do. Lord, what a, and I, I call that praying. It, you could classify that more as complaining. That's not a prayer, that's a complaint. Lord, what are we going to do? Lord, what are we going to do? Ain't no faith in that. There's no faith in that at all. So you go, what are we going to do? 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 Why not say, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God. Believing is my part, right? Believing is my part. Power is his part. Believing is my part. Power is his part. You got to know your part. And if we're going to get in an easy flow, you got to first believe that it's possible. And, the, and, and you got to overcome the way mom and him or grandma and him or whoever taught you to worry. You, you've got to figure out, I'm not going to worry. I, I'm just, I, you know what? I've, I've closed the door on that. And every time it comes, nope. And then you begin to be skillful in the Word. You begin to be skillful. You begin to recognize things as they come. Now, all of a sudden, this is not just something that I talk about. It's a learned skill set to react in faith. Hear me. 
It's a learned skill set to react in faith and not worry or fear or doubt. It's a learned behavior just like your granny taught you how to worry and pass that generational curse, curse down on you. I break that generational curse of worry in the name of Jesus. It's a killer. It's a killer. You'll worry yourself to death. Well, I don't know what happened. She just worried herself to death. Yes, you do know what happened. Quit saying you don't. That's exactly what happened. She worried herself to death. Because nobody taught her faith. Yeah, but she was a Christian. Nobody taught her faith. They taught her how to be born again, but they didn't teach her, him or her, whoever they were, to, to, to function, to raise a shield of faith, to declare their faith, to speak to their mountain. They didn't know how to do any of that. In other words, they're unskillful in the word of righteousness. They know about righteousness. They're just unskillful enough to know how to walk in faith. It's a skill set, uh, Armand. It's a skill. You got to learn to choose to walk in faith and choose to not worry and choose to believe. Lastly, and I'll let you go. I know what somebody's thinking. What if I do that and it gets worse? That is nothing but a spirit of doubt talking to you. That is nothing but a spirit of doubt talking to you. You, you tell that thing, shut up. What if I believe and I get a miracle? How about that? What if I believe and I get a miracle? I, I'll, I'll finish with this story. I've told a lot of stories today and I, I don't apologize. Um, I, I began to think one time, I said, I'm going to preach. I, I said, I'm going to preach on the manifestation of the Spirit. And I'm going to talk about Holy Spirit manifesting in signs and wonders and the prophetic and all these things. And that little voice came and said, what if you preach on it and it don't happen? Well, what if it don't happen? Let me say it another way. There's no way that you can preach the Word of God, have a right spirit about you, and, and, and you be in faith, in alignment, divine order. There's no way. And this is what you need to know. There's no way that you can preach the Word of God, declare His Word over your situation, talk, preach, because usually what's preached is what's manifested, right? What's preached is what's manifested. That's the reason if you preach fear, it'll manifest fear in your people. It will. So if you there's no way to preach about the moving of the Spirit and not see a manifestation of the move of the Spirit. There's no way that you can preach faith and not get answers. There's no way that you, if you're in proper alignment, there's no way you can preach the Word and not see miracles, signs, wonders, deliverance, whatever the case might be. There's no way. You have to say, it, look, when, when that doubt comes, well, well, what if you preach that? And there ain't no prophecy. There ain't none of this. There ain't none of that. What if we preach it and God really does honor His Word like He said He would? What if, oh, and here's the thing, you know what, it, when people have that attitude, you know good and well what their, fun, you know their flow. That's their flow. Their flow is worry. Their, their, their flow is fret. I refuse to get in that flow. I ain't getting in that boat with you. I'm not getting in that boat. I'm getting in another boat over here because I really believe we can press the easy button and, and let let the, the big horse do the work 
and me quit pulling all the time, I thought it was a badge of honor that I worked so hard. You know why I worked so hard? I didn't work hard for God. Sometimes I did it for me because I wanted to impress people. Well, he's a hard worker. I was, imp- I was, I, I wasn't, I don't even know that I was being pleasing to God, but I wanted people to go, well, you know, that brother ain't lazy. He's a hard worker. But I'd rather say, it's just, I don't know what that brother does, but man, he's blessed. It just seems like every turn that God just puts money in his hands and blesses him. See, I, I want that not just, I don't want that not just for me, but for you. But I have to teach you how to have a faith response, how to learn of me. Take my yoke upon, upon you and learn of me, and I'll give rest to your souls. Amen? You, you just don't know what you have. You just don't know. Like, like the dude who bought a ticket, a, a, a train ticket to go to Chicago. He, he bought a, plane t- a train ticket to go to uh, Chicago, and he walked outside, had his bags with him, and he didn't wait on the train. He said, I, I, need, a, I need a ticket to go to Chicago. And he gets, he gets his ticket, slides it in his pocket, picks up his stuff, goes out to the train tracks, and he asks him, which way to Chicago? He gets on the tracks and starts walking. He gets about a mile down the road. Uh, he gets about a mile down the tracks, and there's some guys working on the tracks out there, and they say, what are you doing? He said, I bought a ticket to go to Chicago, and y'all can't stop me. And they said... You bought a ticket for the train, and it's got an engine in it. And it'll carry your bags and give you a place to sit. What are you doing walking? I don't know. Didn't nobody tell me that. These tracks lead me to Chicago. I was just going to walk. I didn't know. That's just the spirit of dumb on you. That's the spirit of dumb on you. Just, look, you got to get where the engine is. You, you, If you... He gave you your ticket. You just got to learn to get on the train. You got to learn to get in the flow of what he wants to do. And his flow is easy and his burden is light. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Stand up on your feet. Hallelujah. It's a learned skill. It's a learned response. It's a skill to learn faith. It's a skill. Amen? See God moving in your life. See Him working. Even when you can't see Him, He's working and moving. You just got to trust Him. Hallelujah. God, we give you praise. I seal the word of faith that came forth today. I seal it in the hearts so that nothing can steal this word. Covered in the blood, we are a people of faith, and you've always honored faith. It always gets heaven's attention. And God, I thank you that mountains move. Financial mountains, we command them to go in Jesus' name. Financial mountains, we command them to go. We thank you, Lord, that you're working in places and in areas that we cannot see. Just like the seed that we planted, we don't uncover that seed. We just absolutely let the seed 
sprout underneath the ground. We know that you're working in places that we don't recognize, places that we don't even know. And we just, by faith right now, we say that it's already done. Just because I planted a seed don't mean it ain't going to be a tree. It just ain't there yet. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live that lifestyle anymore that religion teaches me. I refuse, Father, I refuse for my people in this house to walk in a spirit of religion that just says, keep working, keep pushing, keep struggling every day. That's what God would want you to do. Lord, we trust you by faith that work and struggle is not our portion. We will put our hand to the plow. We'll do what you told us to do. We'll be obedient. We'll respond in your ability, but I will not work my fingers to the bones because I know that you're working on my behalf. Signs, wonders, and miracles are our portion. Let it be so. We want to learn of you. Let it be so. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. You're dismissed in the liberty of the Lord. God bless you. Hallelujah!